Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today are two very special returning guests. They are the hosts of Horror, Cult, Trash, Other. It's Chris Barker and Gary Cruz. We're back. We're back again. And we are here today to to discuss something a little different, aren't we, compared to what we usually discuss. John usually asks us to discuss interesting films. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> should we say interest oh this one's interesting oh this one's interesting in different in a different way <laughs> so so we're branching out on on this podcast this is my first japanese movie yeah i'm gonna say that this is my i'm gonna be that bold and we, we're here today to talk about the 1985 film the legend of the stardust brothers which my god <laughs> God bless how did this get made for introducing this to me. This is, yeah, this is a classic case of a film that could only be made in Japan in the 80s. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So uh, the screenplay for this was by Makoto Tezuka. Music and lyrics by Haru Chikata. Directed by Makoto Tezuka. And according to IMDb, this is the start of the weird of, of this movie. In 1985, Makoto Tezuka, the son of manga genius Osamu Tezuka, was still a film student with a few experimental shorts to to his credit and who was entrusted with a mission to turn an album by Haru Chikata into a musical film. Yes, yes. that's <laughs> not quite accurate, is it? That's not really a synopsis no. for a plot line. No. That's the story behind the film. <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure why that's on IMDb. If you want to know the plot to the film, then think Bill and Ted, if it was crossed with Rocky Horror Picture Show, would you say? And Phantom of the Paradise. And Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. uh, Haru's original album was based off of, Phantom of the Paradise and Rocky Horror. Yeah. So when did you when did you first watch this? Because we've got an interesting fact about its UK release. So I watched it probably like a few months ago for the first time because, like I said, it was on how did this get made? And since I'm not so secretly trolling them on this podcast, I was just like, I have to do this at some point. I just need the right people, and lo and behold, here we are. Yeah, I mean, we were at the UK premiere of this in 2019. Oh. So this was made in 1985, but it actually wasn't released where we are until 2019. It wasn't. So it had a very small release in Japan. Yeah. Um, critics hated it. No one understood it. Barely played. Never played outside of Japan. I don't think I understand it. <laughs> if I'm gonna be clear, like I get that it, it that they are actually brothers, and Minami the their agent, yeah, or number one fan, number one fan, yeah. fan club yeah. manager. It's, it's actually a very no, simple no, 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 premise. No, no, the the guy, the the president of oh, the oh, oh, yeah. 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 oh it's, it's atomic, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's a very simple premise about a band making it into the big time and going through the ups and downs. Uh, and and it just, those ups and downs are just very complex and very fucking weird. <laughs> but, it, but it turns out that they're actually brothers and the president of the record label is their biological father who abandoned yes. them when they were kids. Yeah, it was, it was released in a post-Empire Strikes Back world. So uh, obviously it had to have a twist like that. <laughs> But also it feels like, and it is, uh, 15 music videos just loosely strung together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that was quite similar to Ken Russell's Tommy. Yeah. So his film version of the Who album, Tommy. And I think it's very similar in the sense that it's a concept album that was made into a film that is just kind of like music videos one after the other with a slight 
plot that brings them all together. And I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's fun to do it like that because, you know, it doesn't so, have to be groundbreaking work, does it? So everyone, Beyonce did not do it first. The visual, oh yes, the, <laughs> the original visuals. The original visual album is yeah. The Legend of the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be so bold and say that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, well, it would be Tommy. Though. Be Tommy, Tommy oh, before, yes. oh, that's true. That's true. So, okay, this is the most notes I've taken in a movie. Um, I've said it before. I I give a, a an outline. It's a word document, and my word document is now five pages long with <laughs> things. Granted, there's also uh, some of my notes are just like laser or um, Hitler. Or um, the evil record company is spying on them, or is it just Detox? Uh, because I forgot the that character's name, and they look like Detox from Drag Race. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is very true. So, okay, my first... Where is this question? I'm. Would you call it the Japanese version of Spice World, or the Japanese version of Josie and the Pussycats? Oh... Now, if right? I didn't love the film as much, I'd say Spice World, but I, I do adore this film, so I'm going to say Josie and the Pussycats. Be a little well, kinder. So it's it's weird because mm. obviously, like Spice World, it's them doing music videos and creating a story. But yeah. this one, I feel like, is a little more cohesive than Spice World. No offense. Yeah, no, no, it is. Oh my God, Spice World is a mess. Um, this <laughs> has the surrealism of Spice World, but the plot of Josie and the Pussycats. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah, because then there's, when they meet, what did they call, they they don't call him Hitler. They call him like the politician or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hitler's in this movie, everyone. <laughs> I'm, that's just, just, his father. It's the yeah. equivalent of the Pope being in Spice World. Oh. The Pope, oh. Yes. <laughs> and they're trying to like, control the youth of japan that's the thing about this there's a lot of things that are set up and then they like don't finish it yeah it's almost it's almost teen exploitation in the way that it treats the youth of japan in this film uh in the way that you know they're trying to be controlled and do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's obviously very satirical and the original album was very satirical in the way it looked at um, youth culture as well as the, you know, music industry. So Japan has consistently had a huge music industry still to this very day, second only to the United States. Um, so films like this or ideas like this we've seen in loads of American films, but I've never seen in a Japanese film before, which is really interesting in just the way it sort of shines a light on how the music industry is able to manipulate the Mm -hmm. youth culture. And we've seen it, obviously, with Josie and the Pussycats and so many American films. Um, But in this case, you're sort of looking at idols, is is how they would call it uh, in Japan. Um, and there were mainly women before this point, but how they would come and go within the blink of an eye, mm. and there would be a hundred newest idols getting number ones and huge success, and then by the end of the year, they were nobodies. And I, I think this is what the film's talking about. To make it even on a larger scale and a global scale, this is just, you know, stardom. Just because, like, fads come and go, there's going to be, like, the one-hit wonders. I feel like it's a global message, but, like, with a very Japanese storytelling. And I feel like there's some points where me being a dumb American, I'm missing a lot of, like, cultural references or the some of the humor. Um, granted, it is hilarious, <laughs> I was talking with a with a friend at work about this because he's into Japanese. He knows a lot about Japanese culture and everything. And I was like, this movie feels like it should have been an anime. And he said that like uh, a lot of the avant-garde Japanese movies like are inspired by anime and everything like that. So I was like, okay, cool. So I'm not 
wrong when all of a sudden they cut to the turtle. Yeah, that's very, very anime. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit like House. Yeah. Yeah. A lot and, like House. Uh, sort of very out there style. Yeah. Um, which we love. We mm-hmm. love House. I, one of I our favorites. love House. Yeah. But like, but then we get to the Ballad of Past Years, which, by the way, I found these titles, the translation of these titles on the Wikipedia page. I don't know if they're right. So we're just going to go with it, though, <laughs> with what, what I found. Uh, so this is the one where um, it's Shingo's trip, where he, he smoked. Oh, yes, yes. And then yes. <laughs> the Caucasian lady, who the actress's name is just Evelyn. I love that. Turns <laughs> into, like, the brain beast and the zombies come out. And I'm just like, this is where you guys, like, take a hard turn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's it's it was at that point where I think I realized uh, how much I fell in love with the film. The fact that it incorporated, you know, horror into the film as well in the sequence that absolutely didn't need to be there, but somehow feels right at home. It's just, <laughs> it's just genius. It's absolute genius. And for a while there, I thought that when they actually go into the animated sequence in this song. It was because they ran out of money, but I feel like it was actually planned. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely a stylistic choice. Yeah, I, I think that the, the um, artist who created it, forgive me, I didn't get his name down, but he was uh, fairly famous for sort of horror, anime, and manga. Yeah. Um, so it would have been a deliberate thing. Uh, manga artist uh, Yosaki Takahashi. And yeah, he created some horror manga. I mean, this movie, I'm so happy that uh, How Did This Get Made did it because there's something, there's just something about it. I don't know if there's like, if it's the camp factor, if it's the the fact that like everyone is like giving a thousand, but it feels like also it's their first movie because for a lot of them it is. <laughs> Our two leads only did like this and then the sequel in 2016. I mean, they should have started their own pop career after this, I think, because... But they were. They were. Oh, they were? They were part of Oh, bands. that's even better. They, they, they were part of uh, bands. The two... Um, the, yeah, because... The two leads. And then I saw that the one that plays Atomic Manami, the president, is also a singer. Like a yeah. very famous singer known for his sideburns. Yes, which he still sports. And they have some fierce sideburns Indeed. right now. So it had all the makings of what could have been a successful film. Yeah. You know, that with the director's um, father having created, was it Astro Boy? Mm-hmm. Like yes. a huge name, you know, a little bit of nepotism there uh, would have really helped with this film. So it's strange that it was never successful because it was rediscovered in, I think, 2014 by uh, Third Window. Mm. releasing they, they'd seen it randomly at a screening and then that's when it's become a cool hit because it was nothing no one and that's when you got the sequel in 2016 uh, because it, it didn't do any business in japan it was unheard of completely outside of mm. japan um you may have had it at like an imdb page with yeah, like five yeah. people having watched it and uh, all that business, and then it was rediscovered. So I think it's really cool that we're able to talk about it now. Yeah. After so, what, how many years? So is it life imitating art, imitating life? Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. like they made this whole thing. They thought it was going to be a big thing, and then they just it, it didn't. Just like the end of the movie, where they were shot by someone. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of weird that like when they break the fourth wall a couple of times and then at the end they're like, oh, that was a weird story. Who do you what do you think is going to happen? Detoxes, people are going to come after us. Nah, you're silly. And then they die and you're like, OK, but were you shot by by the, the villains, the corporation? It, I, mean, I didn't really get the ending too much. I feel like them being shot at the end and finally getting their standing ovation was um, essentially speaking of how controversy or how, you know, negativity creates these everlasting stories and stars, Mm -hmm. you know, 
we ask ourselves, would Elvis be as famous and huge as he is now if he hadn't have died young? You know, how would he have been? So it's that idea, die young, leave a beautiful corpse, live forever as James Dean or Marilyn mm. Monroe, that side of fame where you become immortal by having a very tragic story or a very tragic ending. I think that's what it was speaking yeah. of. Um, and I also, what I didn't really didn't get about the ending is I feel like they made the whole story up, potentially. And the oh. whole point, I think the whole point was because they were disagreeing on how the story went. And the idea of don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, I think that's what was resonating yeah. with me as they were bickering at the end. They're like, well, that's not how it happened. It, it probably didn't happen. It's probably a very boring story that they've created this interesting one to latch onto their fame and say, well, we had this big story. It ended in death and, you know, being chased with guns and all this, that and the other, when really it was probably the usual story of somebody getting a record deal, having a hit single, the second one not doing so well, and then getting, you know, demoted to pride events for the next 20 to 30 years. I feel like at least them coming together and creating that weird backstory may have been true. Like, like they're pretending to be brothers, but they're not really. They're definitely, they don't look like brothers. I mean, they're meant to be twins, aren't they're, they? Yeah, they're, they? Yeah, there are plenty of brothers that do, don't look alike, but they really don't look alike. <laughs> and then, yeah, because they, um, he sings at the end, doesn't he, Atomic? He sings about how he had one time. I mean, he's a queer character. Yeah. And yes. he sings about how he had sex with a woman one time and these two twins were born. And they're certainly not twins. They don't look. I don't think the actors are in any way a similar age, even. <laughs> Listen, that song, Real Star, that he sings, it is so good. Yeah. It's a gay anthem. It is. You know, play it at every pride. It is. Oh my God, yes. Yes. It, it's like Kylie who? We want <laughs> we want Real Star. Um, but... Backing vocalists as well on that song. I was enjoy- oh my God. It was giving Beauty School Dropout as well. <laughs> That's what I, I I wrote. It it's reverse Teen Angel, Cause, yes, Because yes. <laughs> instead of like coming down from heaven, he's going up to heaven. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think all the songs are great. It's just that it's a weird musical because usually in a musical, like it's your emotions. Your that's what you're singing. But now in this one, they're singing the plot. Yeah. Like the opening number, the Stardust Brothers is the whole movie in like a three minute song. I enjoy that. I like it when a theme yeah. has the whole plot to the story in it. So we know exactly what we're getting. Um I'm th- I'm feeling polyester mm. the, the, <laughs> where it just tells us what we're getting into. Yeah. And here's our characters, this is what happens. And like, okay, now I know if I want to switch off or not. <laughs> but god there's just so much and i don't think i can hit everything what what are some things you guys want to talk about i appreciate how uh you don't like no london boots has a thick cockney accent over it when <laughs> yeah. you know i mean fair play to him for trying it's not the best that cockney accent of her but it's it's up there um and the song is like a mix of Beach Boys and Ramones, which I wasn't expecting coming from the first song. So I feel like every other song on the soundtrack just sounds like it's going for David Bowie. And obviously I'm yeah. absolutely here for that. Um, but yeah, I just thought that it got this random punk song thrown in there in the middle of all this slash beach pop. And um, Karu, I believe that's his name. Karu the Detox. Yeah. Also kind of looks like Bowie. He's definitely going for, for Bowie, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But like I... a demon. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, what I love, and this is a very 80s thing, um, is the idea that he has more makeup on than any other woman in the film. Yes. And he's swarmed by these young girls yeah. uh, as their idol. <laughs> It, it, you don't get that these days. You you don't get... Carousels. 
that but but that's a very and you know with all due respect you know that's compared to what we saw in the 80s fairly basic you know okay so he wore something rather feminine on the red carpet you look at bowie and you look at you know new romantics and someone like you know uh boy george was a homosexual but you, you look at those artists back then and they're really flamboyant. They're really mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Like uh Khan Khan, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the the taller brother yes. wears like blue lipstick mm-hmm. or some yeah. or something at some point. I was like, and I agree with you, yeah. It's like they were taking chances, they were play it was weird that they were playing with gender fluidity, but also it's like you have to remember the eighties is like the most, one of the most hated times for homosexuals in history. Absolutely. And I think that's why this wasn't a hit then. Uh, I mean, like it feels like it should have been made now, but do you, do you think that the over the top sort of nature of the costumes and the makeup, do you think that was inherently queer or do you think that was just a sign of the times? Because you had bands, you know, Duran Duran weren't a gay band. If the film you get didn't that out with yeah. K-pop as well, there's a lot of K-pop bands, all, all male um, boy bands that are very flamboyant in the way that they dress and and look, but it's never a queer thing. I think if it didn't have queer characters in it, mm. then I'd say it's just a product of its time. But the fact that there there are queer characters in it, I reckon it's fully intentional. I think they knew what they're doing. Do you think it's a positive look at? the queer characters, just Atomic Minami, he's meant to really be one of the bad guys Yeah, in the film. But I I don't think him being queer is the reason why he's a bad guy. I think it's just that that's just a fact about him. Mm. You know? And like, well, and that's the interesting thing, though, is that we're just assuming because he has the little twink behind him, in that one shot and then he does talk about having sex the one time but he never really says i am queer i like men or something like that no no and i thought you wouldn't i suppose at the time be the overt true in films but there is during um especially in a in a different country because i think japan it was still like i think it's still a little like no, you're not, not like, yeah. 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 But during Ballad of Past Years, there is that moment when um, Shingo envisions Atomic Minami shirtless under a sheet, offering him a drink. Yes. And Sorry. I feel like... As, as, like later in the song when there's the, the, the creature that's in Khan, Khan's mouth. Yeah. And then it, like, I, this 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 music video really loses me for a second. <laughs> and then earlier, the Shingo, who is, I would say, the more aggressively heterosexual of the two, for the song Around Akasaka, before he starts singing, he says, are there no girls here? Because the two men in makeup waving to him from the crowd... And then he sings about an attractive woman tends to know what to do in a night spot like Akasaka. <laughs> he does kiss a man later. He does. He kisses his doctor. He's very strange because he also, when the original guy comes to them and says, we want you to be in the band, not not Atomic Minami, a, a never manager. He says, who would want to work with that gay? So it's very strange. I don't know if it's good or bad are we meant to like shingo oh i think shingo is a cautionary tale Mm. because he's the one that is just focused on the money even though it doesn't seem like a lot of money five hundred thousand dollars the other thing too and i'll get back to shingo (laughs) is that i think the translation is a literal translation yes so it's gobbledygook (laughs) a lot of the time it can it can be confusing, but I think also with the idea that they've had to take this album and create the visuals around it, mm-hmm. I think sometimes that means it can get a little confused um, because 
three of the songs weren't part of the original album, were they? You did more work than I did. I just, <laughs> I just literally wrote. So for this, I watched this movie twice, uh, yeah. back to back, because one of the times I was not sober. <laughs> I see that, <laughs> which I think is the best way to enjoy this movie. But yeah. back, so but back to Shingo, where um, so he's focused on the money, and then he's the one that like once they reach the peak, like in that thing you do when they're at the top and everything with their one hit or their few hits or something, he is the one that like gets a little jealous. He turns to alcohol. I think we're supposed to think that Shingo's just a messy person and like, yeah, don't let stardom get to your head or like, you know, remember it's a job and it's work and everything. So separate the two. And he was the one that was all about getting the women. And I I mean, he did, um, but I think he was a little jealous of the the relationship between um, Marimo and, um, Khan, 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 Khan. Yeah, but like that also just comes out of left field. I feel like. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I, I mean, it's giving. Um, oh my god, they did four versions of it. What's that film? A Star Is Born. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Where, yeah. Yes. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah. This whole, you know, uh, rags to riches to then rags story. I mean, it's Dickensian, really. It's. Yeah, but it's, it's never been as fun. I feel as this, you know, you know, the wheel doesn't not sound like RuPaul, but the wheel's been invented. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just stick some glitter on it and give it a good spin, and maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe not Hitler. Maybe Hitler wasn't necessary, but the that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> and no one reacts to being like, "Oh my God, it's Hitler." I appreciated uh, Marimo having her Diana Ross moment. Yeah, that was that was definitely. Yeah, so that okay. was. Oh, sorry, okay. that was one of the songs that wasn't written for the album. So it was uh, Marimo's feelings. feelings, Peace Mark Baby, and Real Star weren't part. They were written specifically for the film. That makes sense because they're the non-Stardust Brothers songs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Marie Marimo. She's supposed to be a good singer from the get. It's weird because she kind of transforms into one. Because at first, obviously, it's a bit of a gag that she's she can't sing. That she's a pretty bad singer. But I wasn't sure if it was that she's not she's a bad singer, or if it's like the microphone and the little speaker with her is just a little too much. Because yeah, that, I mean, because even when she talks through it later in that same scene they're reacting like, oh my god, my ears are bleeding. Yeah, for me, it was definitely a case of find the note, girl. Find the yeah. note. <laughs> I thought the gag was that she wasn't a good singer, but they both wanted to be in a relationship with her, and therefore told her that she could be a good singer. <laughs> Which turned her into a good singer. And so then, well, I mean, well, we didn't see the process, <laughs> but suddenly she was, yeah, Whitney Houston. And then all of a sudden she has a banger of a song. Oh, yeah. It may, may be my favorite song from the whole film. I actually looked up the actress during that song, Mary Most Feelings, and it turns out she committed suicide in 2002. Oh, no. And I was very sad during that very upbeat song. So it's very sad. And yeah, I mean, she is like one of the few actors in this movie, like she has a f- more than like three credits to her name. Cause like, I also felt like everyone in this movie was a singer, like a Japanese idol or a singer or something. Yeah. Cause we've got uh, Atomic, Shingo and Khan, even uh, what is Atomic's real name? Kiyohiko Ozaki plays Atomic Minami. And he is the, like an actual performer. And then we've got Shingo Kabuto, Kabuta and Kan Takagi. Takagi? I'm trying, everyone. I'm, tr- I'm trying <laughs> so hard. Oh, and Issei, who plays Karu, our, our lovely detox-looking person, is also a singer, which makes sense, because 
he gave off that vibe. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely yes. his own wardrobe and makeup. Yes, yeah. So he has this weird allergy to alcohol that is never explained. But like <laughs> at the end, when he, when they, when he's in the hotel room, Marimo defends herself, which get it, girl, feminism, and he like wraps around the duvet or top sheet or whatever that is that then turns into his cape. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you guys paid attention for this batshit crazy movie to the details. <laughs> just on M- Marimo, um, just to go back to what you were saying, um, do you think she may have been dubbed? If everybody else was a singer and she was an actress, do you think maybe we, I don't wish to burst your bubble here. Mm. She's still a queen in my heart. But do you think she was maybe dubbed potentially for her singing? <laughs> potentially, but I, um, the Wikipedia page says it's her singing. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Wow, no, you misjudged her. Yeah, well, wow. you know. But I mean, surprise me. They I did mean, it to Angela Lansbury, for God's sake. Let's let's be real here, though. That song was touched by autotune or whatever <laughs> it was called at the time. Touched by, by an angel. Yeah, she's she's. She's got a little, 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 little help. <laughs> yeah, which we all do need sometimes. And watching it, I was just like, when did her costume change happen? Because like right, right before she was pushed on stage, she was wearing the Stardust Brothers shirt dress thing. <laughs> and then she's in that like 60s pretty pink dress. And I'm like, when... <laughs> I get it because later in the movie there's a car that is magic. Um that is it, it, yeah, it's it's like when straight people talk about Christopher Nolan. Don't don't question it, just experience it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I should I shouldn't be questioning with this movie because like <laughs> after all, this is after Ballad of Past Years, where he took one hit off of a joint and had the weirdest trip. Thanks, Evelyn. Evelyn the Mute. She doesn't actually say anything. (laughs) Well, I did have a theory about her where I felt like she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. She knew very little Japanese and was like, uh, maybe she was a model or something, you Mm. know? She uh, definitely gave off model vibes. Yeah. Because there's a moment where he's talking to her and you can tell like she's just like i don't know what you're saying to me she was a uh, given new wave girl yeah you know in, in the new wave videos that, yes. that look that model-esque tall um, she's uh, Caucasian the, lady she's the rafina in sing street oh okay yes yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah. was thinking more lisa vanderpump in the abc <laughs> music video and if you've not seen it I, I recommend um, ABC were a, a sort of new wave band here in the UK. And she was one of the video girls, not mm. like a video vixen or anything, but sort of um, the bad girl in one of their music videos. And it's high count. I fully recommend watching Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going with that. What we're watching is just them fantasizing or uh, like, um, going to an extreme of what their story actually is. But like, why do you think the Kit Kat club at the bookend scenes is in black and white and they're in color? Is there? Yeah. I think that's a case of saying they're so modern, so new and this audience just don't get it. Cause they're really old fashioned. I, I think it's as straightforward as that, but I'm sure Chris will have a more complex. No, no, I know. I, 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 I completely <laughs> agree. I mean, I, I thought we were getting really served by the black and white costumes, though. I I was kind of really loving them, but I agree with Gary. I I do think it's um, their sort of the crowd not being ready for Mm. their their style, their out-there-ness, potential queerness, if we're reading into it that way, and the mainstream not being ready for it until suddenly they're shot and killed and their tragic story. Oh, well, we loved them all along. Or oh, we understood them. You know, they, they were visionaries taken far too soon. You know, that business. I, I do think that was re- really interesting. Then, or yeah. it, it's kind of like 
those those other move those other type of movies where they're doing like a show within a show or a show within the movie and something goes horribly wrong but the audience doesn't know i'm thinking like moulin rouge where satine performs the uh the play that they're doing and the audience is losing their mind giving a standing ovation while satine is dead backstage <laughs> where the curtains are drawn it's kind of you know, it's I've kind of giving me. I've never me seen Moulin Rouge. Is that terrible? <laughs> you Did I spoil it? I spoiled it. Yes, yes. I'm so have sorry. Seen... How dare you assume that we would have seen Moulin <laughs> two homosexuals? Oh wow! How dare you? Two fat, two fabulous men in the UK. I'm surprised <laughs> you haven't seen. Wow. But like you know, there's other movies like that where they don't yes. see what happens and so i kind of got that sense where the audience is like oh it's part of the show okay you're dead cool and even the band is applauding behind them which has happened in real life as well oh Um, oh, a rather famous um comedian here in the uk tommy cooper he had a heart attack on stage and the whole crowd were applauding think it was the most hilarious thing that had ever happened and there's video of it online I don't, I don't recommend watching it obviously um but yeah he slumps and all of that business and everyone thinks it's the most hilarious thing and he was dead Holy shit yeah yeah i can't believe we spoke about suicide and heart attacks on this episode about a really i know film. yeah <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to make it serious because well, you know i was i i wanted to i wanted to see what this what uh Kyoko Togawa was up to because like she she had like I thought she was also a pop star or or like a one hit wonder in Japan because she's she had that look and like the dancing that she did seemed cutesy and like I don't know if J-pop was around at this time but like J-poppy huge huge and it it was mainly female sort of uh, pop idols in, in Japan yeah, the music was really big back then. It was sort of tail end of city pop, which was huge. Um, it was actually the um, film industry that a lot of people say was was sort of dying in Japan in the nineteen eighties. Really, to, to a well, certain they're getting degree, more imports probably right. Um, just I'm not really sure. I think they were exporting less. I think that's. I think it's a Western view that Japan was struggling in the 80s, film-wise. It's not something I've looked into massively, I I would like to. But, yeah, the idea is that there wasn't a lot of new talent in Japan. And then then a film like this, yeah. And then they created the Super Saiyans, and all of a sudden, they're back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and and then J-Horror as well um, really sort of took off in the West as well so i think it's a very western view um but it, it's it's interesting to think that you know maybe this was ahead of its time maybe if the japanese cinema was in a different place in the 80s this would have because it has become a cult classic i'm kind of happy that it was made in the 80s because there's something a little like i don't want to say nostalgic because that's not what i'm thinking of i'm thinking it's like a little pure it's a little more honest than if it was made today because i think back then i don't think they were winking at the camera half the time like i know it's it's a comp there's like comedic moments and things like that but i think they were just like you know it'd be cool if we do like this music video like where everyone's a zombie and you're tripping out and go and so or like fucking gasoline rain that seems like it was a prince song or something yeah, yeah, and I think that was maybe to do with climate change because uh, some of the lyrics are about cloudy water comes from the tap, world-scale soft revolution erased by the TV news. Oh, see, yeah. I was talking more like music, like the music itself and the way oh, that it yeah. Yeah. was a prince. But yeah, I'm, I mean, there there seem to be some messages throughout these songs um, but they're so they're so good. It is one of my favorite soundtracks. It's just every song is just so so good. Yeah, and I, I think it's it, it's the weird thing where we say, oh, it's such a great soundtrack, 
for a film, but it, it was it was a concept album. So yeah. the, the you know the albums and you know great. I haven't listened to the album, but I'm assuming if it's anything like this, I it's a fantastic album. It. No, we no. have it on vinyl, don't we? We have no, we have the, this soundtrack. Yeah, not the original like album. So that the the film is based off of. Um, that seems really difficult to get. I haven't seen that anywhere. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know if like maybe they burned it after the failure of this movie. I'm not sure. He seemed to be very uh, popular. Uh, the artist, um, forgive me, I, I only have his name in um, Japanese, which. I can't, I can't uh, read Japanese. Haru Chikata. Yes, that's it. Yeah. It's on my screen, but it's in uh, the Japanese language. Um, yeah, uh, he did many albums afterwards and and such. So um, I think because it was based off of a concept album, your story's there. So you don't have to, you know, your A to B is there. It exists and you hit each mark these songs and if they don't quite fit you can just make stuff up and I think that's what I enjoyed so much about the film is you could tell that a group of people got together and said well we already have the foundations what what do we need to do about what this would be cool this would be cool well this would be cool and for them to be able to sit there and say do you know what actually this all would be really cool to have in the film I am just going to put it all in there and there's a sincerity to that. And just like, we're just going to make this really, really enjoyable and fun. And yes, the message is there. The the ideas are there because they exist within the, the music that's already been created. So we can just have a shit ton of fun throwing glitter all over yeah. it. And that's what I really appreciate. So I'm surprised that Haru Chikata isn't like the lead in this, considering it's his music you know going by like tommy purple rain um uh uh the wall well not really the wall that's a separate thing but like you know these bands that create like a movie around them the beatles movies you know like i'm surprised that he wasn't you know one of the two leads unless unless he didn't want to be I mean, the, I can't really find a lot on this movie, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you just sort of was like the only trivia on the IMDb pages is like saying that it was on how did this get made? That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I'm you like, find that helpful? I'm like, we were, re- I was looking forward to you to like find information. You tell me like who, who had a healthy music career and who did it. There's a few things on a uh, movie. That's, that's where I read a, a lot on it. On uh, where? Because it was show- movie. Oh, I bought, so I think I first watched this on Tubi, which is another one that also has commercials, okay. yeah. which is, so the first time I watched this, I had to take a break because it was a little too intense for me. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I've seen this before and I've seen it in various states of mind. Uh, and watching it, I did have to take a break and I made note of that because I was just like, I need to, like, not stare at this for a hot second. But watching it straight through, it's it's an art piece. And like Tubi has commercials, which is great because all of a sudden you're like digesting what you watched <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, they, the, the fucking goons at the record company are just like a Looney Tunes commercial <laughs> cartoon or something. But I ended up buying it on Prime because I was like, I want to enjoy this movie forever. We have it on blu-ray yeah. so it was released by third window uh films which um they, they make a point of releasing films that were weren't released in in the west um have, so they go back so have you seen the sequel i haven't seen no it. No, no no fortunately not okay i wa- i wonder if it's good like like we this is <laughs> This is like so campy and so out there it's good. Mm. But I I wonder if that has the same 
the sequel has the same feeling? I fear, fear. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen anything on it apart from a poster. Um, I fear that they may try too hard to recreate what was so great about this film. And I think if you try too hard at stuff like that, it doesn't work. It has to be more natural yeah. and fluid. Um, that's just, you know, my fear. It's not my opinion because I have no idea. I would like to watch it. So if anyone listening would like to send me a link, legal link to buy or, or to watch. I, I mean, there I can't find anything on line about it so i may just have to purchase a hard copy of it yeah <laughs> give give everyone some more money um but i don't uh what was i gonna say i don't know i'm happy that it's having a life after yeah because then yeah. we get to talk about it we get to be like this movie's crazy oh i do want to say i watched this for the first time around around the same time i watched voyage of the rock aliens for the first time and nice. so my thought after watching legend of the stardust brothers was like oh i'm so glad cocaine made it to japan in the 80s <laughs> yeah. they would make a great double bill it's a great companion piece to, uh, to this isn't it? they're both films that are now cult films that i fear were misunderstood yeah and, you know, I, I don't think everyone is going to give The Legend of Stardust Brothers or Voyage of the Rock Aliens. And I would also put Xanadu in this uh, category as well. Oh. I don't think anyone's going to give them five stars or claim them to be Oscar-winning masterpieces. You either get it or you don't. And if you get it, then you get it. And you're down. I'm down with that. But if you don't get it, then, you know it's not for you and I understand that and that's that's okay not everything has to be for you <laughs> this is for us <laughs> have you guys done this on your podcast not yet no not yet no so to, to to steal a bit from your podcast do is this a trasterpiece masterpiece oh. <laughs> this is a this is a masterpiece, masterpiece. Yeah. this is a masterpiece Good. I just want. I want to make sure. I feel like we were all on the same page, calling this, thinking this is a masterpiece. Yes. It's just. It's just fun. It's Mm -hmm. weird. I. I don't. I I mean, I don't know Japanese for shit, but like, it. It feels like it's a one-to-one translation, and there's no like, you know, fluidity with the words and. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I, I'm assuming that wasn't the intention to, um, you know, if, if it means something else in, in Japanese, then okay, you know, unfortunately, we, we don't know and we may never know. But to, to see the subtitles and the lyrics come up and them to be so on the nose, mm. I loved it. I, I loved yeah. it. it. It just added to the camp value. It, it really did. So I yeah. watch I watch everything these days with subtitles on. Um, and what's interesting about this movie is that obviously we get the translations, but when they speak English, there is no subtitles. No, I'm like, no. but it's my default setting. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> I mean, some sometimes there is because especially in like London Boots when they're singing in English. Um, I think it's because they are singing in English, like, um, and and doing the Cockney esque ask yeah. accent. Yeah, I, I just for the record, I have no idea what London Boots are. <laughs> I don't know. It's no. the name of the band. It's the name of the band, but if they're named after anything to do with the punk scene or or anything like that, London Boots doesn't mean anything. So they're just London. Well, because then the other one, the other band's name is what, like Supercars or something like that. Oh yeah, what were they? Yeah. I think it was Supercars. Supercars, wasn't it? Yeah, they were the new wave band. Where I feel like they all hate Shingo. I don't and... think Shingo is meant to be a likable character for the most part. I I don't think because no. he's the one. He's the um, Bradley Cooper. Of the piece yeah. where you're sort of like 
okay, you're a bit of a dick, but I, I do feel for your situation. <laughs> bit of a dick. I, I'm talking about a, a, a star, I don't remember his name, not Bradley Cooper, the person I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're, I, 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 under, I understood the train of thought. I was thinking, I was like, there's like four versions. <laughs> but Bradley Cooper is the one that everyone knows because... The most recent one, yeah. No, no one has seen the best one, the Judy one. In my opinion, James Mason. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Discussed everything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, all the best songs and such. Yeah. Great. Let's get into it. Sharp Flat. So, in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. What do you want to? do first well i'll start by saying i have no flats at all i've got i've got i couldn't think of i i couldn't think of any could you i i could think of one flat um hitler i just feel (laughs) it was a bit unnecessary yeah Mm -hmm. yeah inherently hitler's existence isn't funny Mm. so it it just if, if you're playing off the joke that he's there, and therefore that's the the punchline. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not for that. I, you know, I, I understand it's a sign of the times, but but he's no, no. but he's fluent in Japanese. So yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Give him credit for that. Mm. Um, I've got a few more. I've got a couple of flats. Um, so the translations for me, like some of them were fun and cute, but I was just like, it's too literal. Like I want little more poetry with the songs or something like that because again but like i don't know if that's the intent and if it's the intent then i will unflat it but like right now i can't find anything to support or deny this idea do you, do you not like the poetry of uh, somehow this garbage song became popular <laughs> well so like like I, I did sharp some songs because of their lyrics and i liked that yeah. but then there are other ones that i'm just like I don't understand. Like, I still don't understand how they're the scum of the universe or (laughs) whatever is they say in that first song. Um, (laughs) Credit card is maxed out. Isn't quite catchy. Is it (laughs) to be fair? Um, Another flat I have is to continue with like fluidity and poetry in their dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Cause, cause like, I know like J-pop and, and uh, uh, what would become K-pop like a lot of the choreography is supposed to go with this song. So you're supposed to like do the thing, but like there's a couple of things where I'm just like, this is a little too pedestrian, especially there's that one scene where they're in like the, the club or whatever. That's like not open and torn and like abandoned the, the abandoned club and Khan and uh, Mario are like just two stepping <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this? What is happening? I also flat out how some of the ideas are, aren't flushed out. So like it's not explained why Karu is allergic or is allergic to um liquor. They're they don't really go further into Hitler. They don't <laughs> like why he's there. There's a few things I'm just like, you have great things set up in the air. It's just you need to spike it. Mm. Uh, to to get a little volleyball on everyone um okay so this is just my little feminism side but like uh i flatted how marimo is not getting a contract because she's a woman yes when she admits that i was like oh i want to punch somebody yeah yeah absolutely and that's an unfortunate sort of sign of the times um where you you would have um sort of managers who would refuse to sign women yeah yeah and then another my last flat is like there are scenes that like feel a little too long in between the songs and the songs are i feel like are the high point of this movie Mm. um but like some of the scenes where they're it it drags uh a little bit it might Would would you have it like tommy where there's no spoken word i don't know i feel like there's some dialogue in this like uh, when Shingo gives his monologue about being dust, we're stardust. I was like, this is deeply profound. 
Mm. Like I, there are moments of dialogue I did like. I feel like we could get rid of the two guards or at least cut one of the scenes uh, and have only three scenes with them instead of four. Mm. Um, I feel like there's a there's a few things here and there that I'm like, I know this movie's only an hour and 40 minutes long, but we could cut you. <laughs> we don't need you here. Yeah. And they, they wrote extra songs as well. So maybe they could have just had the whole thing be sung. Or beefed it up to be like a two hour yeah. film. I'm thinking of Friday the 13th chapter, the final chapter. Go with me on this. There is like a 20 minute block where no one is murdered. And you're like, oh, this is kind of dragging. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the same feeling I'm having with this, where there's scenes, they feel long. I don't think they are. It's just because there's so much that happens in this movie. And they're long scenes between the songs. And I'm just like, let's get to another song. I need a pick me up. Give mm-hmm. me, I need a shot of adrenaline or something. Oh, that's but- quite good comparison. The kill scenes in horror and songs in mm-hmm. musicals i never thought about that actually that's that's yeah yeah am i am i new to this has been <laughs> are there, are there been dozens of essays on this on well probably i mean i mean I, I only i only bring that up because i'm i did it on my other podcast and i made a point to talk about how like in the fourth one between like the opening and then when that random hitchhiker with the banana gets murdered, it's like a good 20 minutes mm-hmm. that they're, that they're doing all exposition and everything. And I'm like, okay, it's a little slow. And so I feel like that's what's happening here where it's a little slow at points. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm trying not to let my mind wander and put dick on my dick around on my phone because it is a, it is a foreign language. I need to pay attention and read everything, but it happens. Um, okay, let's end it with sharps, everyone. I do have a lot more sharps. I did I did like this movie, I do want to say. <laughs> I don't want to come off shitting on this movie. It's just... No, no. <laughs> I, I had thoughts. Um, so, Gary, do you want to go first with your sharps? Yes, sir. I mean, I... I could go on forever with these shots, but I narrowed it down. Uh, so I thought the cinematography, I really, really liked the way the film looked a lot. Uh, the costume and set designs were just high camp and a bit tacky, and that is what I want from a film. Uh, all of the songs, all the songs, and just that wacky surrealism, uh, you know, that's best demonstrated in that dream, that weird dream sequence. Um, but it's kind of there throughout as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Gary, to be fair, unsurprisingly. Um, I, I think for me, the biggest sharp is just the idea that this film could only have been made in Japan in 1985. Like really pinpoint it to that very moment because it brings together so much of what I love and Gary loves about Japanese music, about Japanese film, about 80s cinema, about, you know, camp and over-the-topness. And it just incorporates so much of what we love and, and I love that it, it's just the whole thing for me is, is a sharp. And, you know, th- there are films that I love, Masterpiece, Five Star, can't, you know, um, can't fault it that still have little minor details and, and such that we have discussed. But for me, it's, you know, t- top of the range cinema. It's everything that I love. And again, it's not for everyone, but it is for me. I kind of agree with you. I sharped how unapologetically weird this movie is. Mm, yeah. They were like, we're doing it. Where This is cool. We like it. It's a little out there. Um, I sharped all of the music. So this is a case... Uh, Strong Enemy Atomic is the one that I love the lyrics of it because it's basically tribute by Tenacious D. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Where they're talking about how they have the number one, they are the number one band, but that's not their song. They're, yeah. That's them <laughs> describing the, the song that is number one. <laughs> yeah. um, I also like A Man Who Wants to Get Married, which is Shingo's like his mental breakdown. Because it, because it's just is, it's just fascinating to see 
you know, and read the lyrics and he's losing his mind and everything. And stripping down to his bright yellow uh, underwear. <laughs> and, yeah, and causing such a commotion. Um, I also want to sharp Atomic Minami's sunglasses. They're doing a ton of work in this movie. That scene where he's in his office and there's that triangle of light behind him and his glasses have lights. Like, that is that is something right there. And I, I don't know, it awakens something in me and I don't know what. Um, <laughs> I want to sharp Marimo because she's adorable and I love her. Um, I also want to sharp, as much as I didn't like the guards, I want to sharp the shorter guard because he has that moment. There's that one long take, long shot of him crawling and then calling the Keystone Cop-like people and he's like serving. He's he's just serving everything. I also want to sharp the strings that pull the dress being visible in that one song. Which one was it? Oh yes. Oh, yes. automatic. Yeah. Like they didn't even try. And then I just want to sharp the terrible CGI because it's I don't know, it's a little it's a little cute. <laughs> but, it is. It's it, well, I suppose it's similar to House. Yeah, isn't it? It felt it felt like a music. It felt like the music videos at the time, like like Aha's take on me. Although masterpiece, there's still like a little weirdness when it goes from seed from the animation to live action. And so there's just something about this that I was like, oh, we've come a long way with (laughs) with CGI and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But there's a, I, I suppose there's a kitschness to it. I think time sort of allows for these camp kitsch moments yeah. to yeah. charm. It becomes charming, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's true. Because, I mean, if, if you saw it in a 2023 film, <laughs> bad CGI now in, what, 40 years, mm. what are we going to say? Oh, I don't, the I, memories. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I mean, it would be like, oh, somebody didn't have money... Yeah. yeah, yeah, or somebody just learned how to use whatever program. <laughs> Can you think? I can't think of a film out this year that's got bad CGI in. But I think of one last year, Titanic Six Six Six. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's two B, isn't it? That's two yeah. B original. There's, there's also Velocipaster, but I think that movie is supposed to be done bad on purpose. It, no, it is supposed to be done bad on purpose. Yeah. Okay, in 40 years, I don't think we'll be looking back at Velociraptor with Cap. Oh, Oh, excuse me. It's a pastor that turns into a Velociraptor. Oh, Oh, my apologies. I should have known. (laughs) Um, What did I say? Velociraptor. Oh, okay. Oh, I said the real one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, specifically, my favorite was "Crazy Game," um, but yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, listened to the vinyl quite a few times. Uh, Marimo's feelings is would be top of it. That That's would be a, on my most. That is a nice one. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, re- I mean, I would. I like you would listen to the whole thing, but like there, I feel like I would skip to like my my favorite songs, which are the Stardust Brothers. Um, I do like you don't like no London boots. I don't know why. Um, songs in the hearts of young people: Gasoline Rain, Atomic, Crazy Game, and Real Star. Songs in the, in the hearts of young people. That's the Atomic Marimu song, and yeah, oh, it's just so good. Such a bop. Yeah, like, Yellow Sun was my least favorite. I suppose I didn't Yellow's- have much to say about that. Yellow Sun. I wrote down this one seems pretty straightforward. Like there's no yeah. craziness about it. And then this like one we had to keep in because it was on the album, but really we would have cut it otherwise because we can't make any visuals or any plot around it. I mean, if you really think about it, it's the one that's right after Ballad of Past Years. So they're they may have been like, We need you guys to like rest after the craziness. <laughs> I don't know if that was the actual intention, but we're going with it. Yeah, of course. Um and on that note, gentlemen, we're done with the episode. We finally did Stardust Brothers. <laughs> the legend of the Stardust Brothers. What do you have to plug or promote? 
Uh, so we, of course, as anyone knows to our previous collaborations, we are Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Horrorcore Trash on Twitter, because we're not calling it X, because that's stupid. And <laughs> we have episodes coming out every week on Tuesday. Sometimes on a Friday. Or sometimes on a Friday at the end of the month. Yes. And uh, um... I suppose you should probably plug our Halloween season. Uh, where we will be discussing all of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels post Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because we've already done that but the rest of them we'll be discussing Dream Warriors yes yes uh, New Nightmare oh New Nightmare are you doing the um, remake as well we've already done that one we did an original versus remake okay. uh, with the first film and Thankfully, no, we didn't have to revisit that. <laughs> I, I'm never watching that film again. The next thing you guys have to do then is the TV series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you know more about this movie and want to inform me, let me know. I love reading, hearing things, and I would love to learn more about this because, um, like you guys said, it was like, within the last 10 years that it was like rediscovered and i don't think that there's a lot still talked about or written about it so if you the listener knows things about it let me know you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram i'm calling it twitter for fuck's sake and tiktok at buttersongpod <laughs> um tell me what you think what you think about this movie and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we're going a little more uh not avant-garde and we're going to be doing kiss me kate oh nice yeah golden age of hollywood yes Um, gentlemen thank you so much for coming back on and letting me uh, and like i feel like i didn't have to twist your arm to watch this movie oh no not at all It's, it's made a nice change Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening and bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs> <laughs>